This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, I'm Christina. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead podcast number 294, recorded Thursday, November 24th, 2016. That's right, 294. Welcome back to the show, everybody, and you. Thank you. And uh, welcome home from the hospital. Yeah. Even I've though been... it's been like two weeks, but... Uh, almost, just under. And I've been telling people that you're doing fine and everything's okay now and you're all back to normal, which is pretty much true, right? I'm close to normal. Close to normal. About as close to normal as I can be. Yes. Cons- I wouldn't say I'm right there, but... No, but considering you almost died, you're doing yeah. you're doing pretty well. Yeah, that was pretty scary. Really, really scary. I think I haven't processed it fully yet, but well, it's tough. Not was, many people have near death experiences like that. Yeah. Um. Well, I was talking to friends of ours who were over earlier today, and I'm telling them these are friends of ours who are temporarily moved down to California, but they're in town visiting. When I was telling them the whole story, she was like. It's just so shocking. I'm just I'm having trouble processing this. And I was like, yeah, I'm still kind of processing it. So not surprising. Yeah. So, I mean, the craziest part is how it just sort of came out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden you were, you woke up that morning totally normal. Totally fine. And by that night you were having your neck carved into to check Ugh. for flesh eating disease. So it is bu- bizarre, but... Everything's okay now, and and everyone listening sort of already knows that because yeah. we've talked about it a bit. Well, and I did mention on Facebook. Thank you, everyone, by the way, who sent their well wishes. It was really sweet. A lot I was of people so touched mm-hmm. by all the lovely emails and Facebook comments and everything. Um, I could really feel the love. It was very <laughs> sweet. Um, so that's why I felt like I needed to sort of put my own post up there to sort of share with everyone how I was feeling and how I was doing and what had happened. Um, and that I was okay. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it is, it is kind of just with what you say about it, it coming on so suddenly. I mean, I was, I had literally just been out for a coffee with a friend at 1 PM that day. And by two, well, actually two 30, my face was swelling up and, and it was like, what? And you're in the hospital by like four o'clock. Yeah. By four o'clock I was in the hospital and by 420 I had doctors and nurses and whatnot descending on me. Like I've never seen so many medical professionals drop everything they were doing Mm -hmm. when I told them uh, my neck is swelling now. Just like, whoa, okay. And they just dropped everything and came running to me. Right. Well, they're worried about you not being able to breathe. Exactly. And they have got, you know, it's like at that point, they've got to get a breathing tube in there before my throat completely closes up. Good times. Yeah. You'll find. All right. Well, anyways, you're here. You're back on the podcast because Jason is off doing something else tonight. Yep. And I'm uh, not a zombie and I'm not dead. No, that's, I'm thankful for that. That's very, very <laughs> I could have really looked like a zombie. Oh, that reminds me. Uh, it's American Thanksgiving, mm. which to them is just Thanksgiving. Happy Turkey Day, everyone south of the border. Yeah, absolutely. We should, I think you and I should continue to celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving because we're Canadian. Mm-hmm. But I think we should also celebrate American Thanksgiving because it means an extra turkey every year. For sure. And maybe an extra pumpkin pie every year. Yeah, except I don't have a turkey. 
right now. Well, I know. It's too late now, but we can start next year. Actually, wait a minute. I do have turkey roast in Uh, the freezer. I want a full-on turkey. Uh, I bet we We didn't even have... Oh, we did have turkey at our friend's Thanksgiving this week, this year. We could go buy a turkey, cook it up on Saturday. It's close enough. we're, we're, We're going out to dinner at neighbors on saturday unless we Mm. bring the turkey there (laughs) that seems like a lot of work i already told her i'm bringing a fruit platter i don't think she wants me to bring a whole turkey yeah yeah seems like a lot of work (laughs) to cook a whole turkey to take to someone else's house all right anyways um onward and upward here we are we are going to read some feedback for season seven episode five um and uh first though we're gonna do a really short Walking Dead news segment. I haven't done that in a while. The Walking Dead news. Alrighty, I'm going to start this off with the call from regular listener Angie in Birmingham. Hi guys, it's Angie in Birmingham. Uh, Just ringing up with some Walking Dead news. Um, I don't know if you've seen them, but the news at the moment regarding the show is the ratings. Um, And it's nothing good. It's the show started off amazingly well, uh, just over 20 million. Uh, it's now dropped by over 9 million viewers in four episodes. And I think that's insane. Um, I think the biggest part of that is these bottle episodes we get in. Um, I really don't see why episode two, three, and five weren't all told together in one extending length episode. Um, they're just. If Carol, Morgan, Sasha, and Tara and Heath were to vanish from the show and never be shown again, I don't think it would affect the story in any way whatsoever. So to focus three, four episodes on their stories in the first half of the season is insane. Um, So by the time episode six has aired, we have two episodes left before the mid-season finale. Um, so that's counting episode four, six, and seven. Uh, sorry, episode four, seven, and eight are going to be the only three episodes after the premiere to focus on Rick and the Alexandrians dealing with the aftermath of the premiere. And that is nowhere near enough story to tell. Uh, time to tell a story. It's just not. And I don't trust the writers enough to do a good enough job to give us a decent mid-season finale in 90 minutes. I don't see how they can do that. And I'm worried for the show. For the first time in seven years, I am genuinely worried for the future of the show. Anyway, would love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, speak to you soon. Bye. All right. So first, um, the the ratings. Uh, Angie's right in that the the ratings have dropped significantly over the first little bit of season seven here. So just to review... Um, I know she mentioned 20 million and that, that number 20 million for the premiere comes from, um, it's like the broadcast plus seven or something like that, where they factor in, uh, people who recorded it and watched it later, Mm -hmm. but the official number, or at least the, the number of people who watched it live as reported by Wikipedia was just over 17 million, 17.03, which is massive. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Um, even for the walking dead, it's not quite the biggest they've ever done, but it is uh, right up there. Okay. Um, after that, though, we have episode number two, which only had 12.46. Number three, 11.72. Number four, 11.4 million. And number five, 11 million. Right on. So it's 
trended down. Now it hasn't gone down much between two and five, only uh, 1.5 million, which is, you know, a lot of eyeballs, but mm-hmm. uh, it's not the 17 to 12 jump that we had from one and two. Um, but 11 million for episode five is the lowest it's been in a long time, actually, in a few seasons. I don't have, uh, it goes back to, it goes back to season four, actually, since it was that low, maybe even season three. Oh, wow. Uh, so it's, it's a little concerning, um, even though the numbers it's getting right now are still the highest numbers of any TV show on TV, any dramatic TV show. So on one hand, still highest rated show on TV. On the other hand, when you compare it to itself, it's much lower. Mm-hmm. But to get back to Angie's point about having only three out of eight episodes focus on the Alexandrian's reaction or the fallout from you know what happened with Negan in the premiere episode, does that feel like enough? Or should we be getting more of that story and less of the Carol, the Morgan, the stuff at the hilltop with... With, um, I guess you you could argue that, yeah, but I guess, I guess you could argue that that stuff is part of the fallout. I think it is. Um, and then this week coming up, it looks like we're going to get our episode with Tara and Heath and what they've been up to. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Right. And that's what she's saying after that. Just them though? Well, we don't know. We don't know for sure, but. I feel like I saw something about, oh, sorry. I feel, feel like I saw something about Carol and, um. Morgan. Morgan for this week coming up as well as Tara and Heath, but I may be remembering wrong. It could be. It's, it's hard to say. We don't know what they're going to do, of course, but, um, typically what they've done is when they've done these side stories or side episodes, uh, they just focus on those. Like when Morgan went and learned Aikido from the cheese maker, Mm -hmm. uh, or I mean, to a lesser degree when, when Rick and Michonne and Carl went out and found crazy Morgan, um, in clear, Mm -hmm. it involved main characters, but it was kind of a side story. Uh, so it looks like if anything, they might do, um, they might do a Tara and Heath episode and, and I don't know if there'll be anyone else in it, but, um, it still leaves only those three or four, or was it three dealing with, you know, with, with sort of the reaction, Alexandrian's reaction to, to Negan directly. Mm. But the one with the episode that has left that song in my head. Yeah, the yeah, the, the Daryl episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, was, I was humming that song all day long today. Again, it's like it leaves my brain, and then a few days later it's back <laughs> in, and I'm like, oh, my God. That's what they wanted. Like, yeah, that, that was definitely torture. Um, I felt that one, though, there, it was still dealing with some of the fallout because – you had Daryl of course, in that yeah. cell and he is processing, he has to process what just happened mm-hmm. with Glenn and he has to sort of come to grips with the fact that, you know, he set Negan off there. He, if he just stayed yeah, of put, course. you know. It's, it's, a, it's a reaction. It's, it's Daryl's story, right? Yeah. Or Daryl's, uh, yeah. the, what's happening with him in, in relation to that. And it's a good... But it's also a setup showing Dwight mm-hmm. and his story and how he got to where he is with Negan. And I have to say, I don't know. I don't, 
I, d- I haven't minded all these sort of standalone episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, like this past week, the one with um, the Hilltop and Maggie, I liked it because I love Maggie and she's a total badass. She <laughs> yes. is. Like she's totally becoming a... Yeah. She's cool. I love her. And um, so I haven't minded... Like I've I've liked these sort of one-offs. as Not one-offs, sorry. I don't want to say one-offs, but these side ones, right? Yeah. I haven't had a problem with them. Yeah. I mean, we've about Dwight though, like I, I agree. I, I enjoyed getting Dwight's story, but do we, does your average viewer or do we care about Dwight that much right now when we could be seeing what Rick is going through and everyone there is going through and we've only got little bits of that True, and it's mostly still been. When in Negan's re- around. Yeah, in reaction yeah. to Negan, he's yeah. always there. He's always there. Um, now, yeah, I do agree with that. And I mean, the thing is, if you think about it, they probably could have taken Negan, um, sorry, Dwight's story and combined it into an episode where we see Tara. Stop Tara, the table. I don't mean to. It's an accident. <laughs> I'm very, I gesture a lot when I talk. Um they could have combined the Dwight storyline and had on the other side of it, see what Tara and Heath are up to. You know what I mean? They could have combined those two sort of maybe. Maybe. So I agree with that in that, yeah, they didn't have to have a whole episode devoted to Dwight. But then you wouldn't have easy street going through your head constantly. <laughs> that probably would have been a good thing. <laughs> yeah, probably. That song's driving me nuts now. Like today I was walking around the house, easy street. I was like, oh my gosh, please take it out of my head now. Well, um, yeah, I, they could have done that. Maybe, you know, maybe, uh, combine or bulk up the, uh, the stuff with Morgan and Carol along with Tara and Heath. Yeah, that might've worked a little bit better. That might've worked a bit better too. But I don't know. Um, it's, I, I don't know if this explains the ratings drop because we're just not spending enough time with the story that everyone really wants to hear yeah. or see portrayed. Uh, or if there's another reason for it, I'm not sure. Well, it's weird because if you look at it, the ratings drop. The biggest drop is between episode one and episode two. And yeah, I don't know. I seem to recall right after episode one air seeing aired seeing quite a few people on the internet say, "Okay, that's it. They crossed a line. I'm not watching it anymore." Like a lot of people were so upset about episode one that they. We're like, I'm not watching it anymore, right? So maybe that's what's happening is it it just pushed certain people over the edge. They were like, this is too violent. And they killed off Glenn and everyone was upset. And that, that could be what affected the ratings there. Yeah, it could be. But there's always season premieres and season finales are always rated higher, right? Mm-hmm. And there's always a big step down from premiere to episode two. Almost always. Now, this was the biggest step down they've ever had. So, you know, you got to say that. Uh, But it's not uncommon to see that. What is sort of uncommon is that it's just continually declined. Like if you look at, if you look Mm -hmm. at last season, season season six, the first, um, the first episode of season six had 14.63. Then we go down episode two had 12.18. And then episode three was up again, 13.14. Yeah. And then episode four was up again, 13.34. So it fluctuates a little bit. Here we are, we're just dropping and dropping. But 
But I don't know. I think what we'll probably do is level off around where it is now in the mm-hmm. 11 to 12 range. See, episode eight will probably take a little jump, nine as well, and then we'll see what happens from there. I don't know. Yeah. It could also be, because I know a number of our listeners did not like episode two, so that could be where it went down again, right? Maybe a lot of people were like, they didn't like episode two, so then they tuned out. Right. Again, and then that's where it dipped more, episode two and then was it kind just of continued the, from there. Kind of the comedy-ish one, where we were introduced to- Ezekiel. Uh, to the kingdom, that's right. Yes. Uh, and then just the, other, the only other thing I want to say on this topic is that we still don't know what's going to happen in uh, six, seven, and eight, mm-hmm. right? We've still got those to play out. Uh, and it's, you know, you really do have to factor them in as a whole. I think we don't know what's going to happen. It's hard to say that Carol and Morgan's story isn't as important. Maybe it's not what people want to see, or maybe it's just not what people think they don't want to see if that makes sense maybe maybe what those guys are doing will affect future storylines in a really big and important way right we just don't know that yet so yeah you have to let it play out and um and and see where it goes yeah uh but i'm gonna play another call here from jared in illinois uh which i thought seemed relevant at this point hey chris and jason i love the podcast i've been listening for about three seasons and it makes a great companion to the show uh, glad to hear everything is is going well in both of your homes, and I hope uh, I hope that continues. Hey, listen, uh, I had a question for you. I'm wondering if you guys think that the show is kind of fighting its own format. Uh, by that, I mean the fact that it's a relatively short season at 16 episodes, and that that season is then split into two eight episode uh, sections that are separated. You know, by I don't know what it is, a month and a half or two months or something like that. It kind of forces them to do a lot of storytelling in a relatively short amount of time, and I think that might be why sometimes people feel like the episodes don't give them everything they need. Uh, Personally, I I enjoy virtually every episode, but it certainly is true that, um, you know, with a longer a longer season you would have more storytelling to do or even if the season wasn't broken up as much they they're not they wouldn't be compelled to um to tell like a self-contained story in eight episodes or semi-self-contained anyhow uh love to hear what you think uh love the podcast and keep it up all right thanks uh jared so i think he brings up a really good point in that they've they've come up with this season structure where they do two halves and they take a month and a half break in the middle yeah um, TV didn't used to be like that. And I, I, no, and I, I guess network TV still, or, uh, I, I don't, I don't remember the terminology in the States, but like CBS, ABC, NBC, Yeah, that's Fox. network television. Right. I don't, you know, they do typically, although even that's changing now, but I think they do typically longer seasons. We used to have shows with 22 episodes per season. They do one a week pretty consistently from, I don't know, September to April or May or whatever it was and take a few weeks off here and there for holidays and whatnot. Yeah. Um, Walking Dead doesn't do that. They have eight episodes and then another eight episodes. But it wasn't always like that. Um, Did the show... No, Walking Dead has always been like that except... Well... there always such a long break? I feel like the first few seasons we got like a full season. No. Or was it always broken up? Season one was only six episodes. So they oh, ran right. from it was a short Halloween to the beginning of December. Mm-hmm. Season two ran from the middle of October to the end of November. 
and then February 12th to March 18th. So oh, so they've been okay. doing it ever since season two. They have been doing, okay. Yeah, they take the holidays off and then they don't come back until, I don't know, like probably February. after the Super Bowl or something like yeah. that. So, um, but Jared's point is, does this, this way they organize the season sort of force them into or make them feel like they have to tell stories that start and end within those eight episodes. Obviously the longer over overarching story persists throughout, mm-hmm. but would they be able to do things? I think they would be able to do things differently if they didn't feel like they had to have two premieres and two finales every 16 episodes. Yeah. And then it sort of feels compartmentalized almost yeah. in a way, right? Like you've got these little episodes in between and, and it's like they they have like so many different storylines and they have to fit it all in in that first half and then they have to fit the it all in again in the second half and so then they they leave a storyline just as you're getting into it well and, and it, then you don't see it again till the next half of the season and or, it's like or what? they feel compelled to wrap it up and yeah, that might be they, premature yeah right, right? True. so um i hadn't really ever thought about it like that before but I think it's I think it's a I think it's pretty clear that it having the season organized like this does affect the storytelling mm-hmm. a little bit and I'm not so sure it's a great thing. You know, I mean, hey, I like having the holidays off and so on, but yeah. maybe don't make it so rigid in that there's 8 and then there's 8 and let it play out the way it's going to well, play out. But even like even network television shows get the holidays off. They I know, get a hiatus. They get like a two week hiatus. I mean, it's not like sometimes even get, more, and sometimes even more. Yeah, it's not like they would. They don't get anything off. Um, yeah, I I feel like they did that to a few other AMC shows. Like Mad Men ended up doing that mm-hmm. for the last one or two seasons. I forget. Yeah, and it's not just AMC. And but then they like, break them up. yeah, and like Breaking Bad did that. For mm-hmm. a season or two, and I remember getting frustrated about that one. I was like, "Oh, come on!" Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it there seems there must be thing some that... kind of financial Probably. incentive to to do it this way, uh, or they or think it's they're an, it, or it's the AMC maybe like network executives have dictated it. I don't know. Well, yeah, but what's their what's their motivation it's usually financial right so they're (laughs) for some reason they make more money this way they build anticipation and can sell advertising yeah uh, for more exactly Uh, i don't know uh yeah but it does seem to paint show writers into a corner a little bit because they feel like they have to deliver something or maybe they just think they now we have four episodes a season that are considered big deal you know event tv events instead of just two, the, the first one and the last one. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's better for marketing. So I'm sure all of these things go through the executive's head and they, uh, you know, have dollar signs in their eyes. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. Yeah. All right. We'll see. We'll see where the ratings for season seven go. It will be interesting. And uh, we've, got, we've got just three more coming up before the mid-season finale. The pig mid-season finale. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into some regular feedback now. Listener feedback. All right, first one, phone call from Wendy in England. Hi, guys, Wendy in uh, Wiltshire, England. 
Um, hope you guys are okay. Uh, Chris, I hope Christine is doing well. Um, I've got a holy crap moment for you. Obviously, you're probably going to get hundreds of these, but Maggie punching Gregory. Oh, that was so cool. Um, I just actually, like, replayed it several times because it was so awesome because I, I hate that whiny bitch. He is a cowardly cockwomble and Maggie punching him out was just the best thing about that episode. Loved it, loved it. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Really enjoyed that episode. Um, uh, love your show too. Uh, keep up the good work and uh, we'll speak soon. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you, Wendy. I want to replay her uh, call several times now with the cock womble. <laughs> that was awesome. I don't even know what that means. I don't know either. It's another, it's one of those British terms that I never quite get, but yeah, it's no, cool. I just, I kind I mean, it's, it was a great call. Thank you, Wendy. But I sort of just wanted to play it for cock womble. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. That was amazing. No, but I do agree with her. That was a pretty amazing moment. When Maggie decked him, like, yeah, that guy needed it. He doesn't. He had it coming to he him. He doesn't have the power anymore. He's sort he's, of losing it. And he's such a coward. He's just yeah. a cowardly, small, uh, petty small, little man. Small, selfish, petty little man. And he was going to give them up, but instead he had to give up. He his had to give up his whiskey. booze. That was awesome. Yeah. Um. I she. I, there were a few Maggie moments I really liked in the episode, like the tractor. That was that was pretty cool. Yeah. Not a lot of people have run over a car with a tractor, but it can happen. Uh, I wanted to mention before I played that call that I did more editing than usual on these these calls. Often I just let people, um, you know, ramble on as, <laughs> as long as they want. Uh, but everyone's sending in really long calls these days. And also if there was some overlap with another email or another call or something yeah. like that, I, I cut them down. So... As we go through these here, if you um, if you are wondering what happened, it just means uh, for time or for content, I just cut your call. But hopefully, I didn't mess it all up a little bit. So, so, so how much do you edit out of my stuff of each episode? Almost Cause, nothing. Because I ramble. No, 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 you don't. You're okay. okay. Well, normally I ramble in real life. Well, yes, you're very chatty in I real am. life. Put a microphone in front of you and a little bit reserved. <laughs> Who knows? That's the way Who it knows goes. Why? Uh, anyways, I just, I thought I'd, I'd mention that off the top here, but, um, another call, uh, do you, why don't you introduce this one? This call is from Lord Summer Isle. Yeah. Very fancy. Do we, we have a Lord calling us or is, is that a first name? Well, I don't know. Let's oh, find Let's okay. have, listen to this and then decide based on the way he says okay. it. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Lord Summer Isle from Warrington in England. Uh, I just thought I'd, um, call in about, uh, Gregory, um, after last week's discussion as to whether Negan was acted a bit hammy, um, surely he now pales in comparison to Gregory. While I was watching him, I thought he'd um, wondered him from being the baddie in an episode of uh, Murder, She Wrote or Columbo. Um, great show, by the way. Um, I listen every week. Um, just to also add to uh, your discussion about um, bad guys who were perhaps worse than Negan. How about Clarence Bodica from Robocop? The horrible, remorseless man who used to give me nightmares when I was younger. Cheers. See ya. All right. Thank you, Lord. Summer Isle. I think it's a Lord. You think the first name, he's a Lord? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Why not? 
Maybe. I don't know. I think so. <laughs> uh, so we had talked about Negan and Jeffrey Dean Morgan hamming it up a little too much. I kind of think that he's overdoing it slightly in oh, his do. portrayal of Negan. I think he's a little bit too... I don't even know what the word is. Like, I don't want to say wacky or goofy, but he sort of just, he overacts a little bit when he's portraying Negan. Um, but Lord Summerisle here is saying that uh, Gregory is, is worse. And I don't know if I see it. Like Xander Berkeley's overacting? Yeah, I don't know if I see it at all. I think... Uh, I, don't, I don't think Xander Burke's necessarily overacting, but... Yeah, I could see him in an episode of Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> I bet he's been on the show, he's actually. He's probably I don't know. been on the show at some point. I don't know. No, He's I been don't. in a lot. It's funny because he he looked so familiar to me. And I know I've seen him in something, but when I went on his IMDb profile, I'm like, I don't I think I've ever watched any of the stuff he's been in. But yet, no. he's so familiar to me. Well, everyone's familiar to you, but I, I don't think I've seen him ever anywhere before. Okay. Um... I don't know about the hamming it up with Negan. No? I quite like Jeffrey D. Morgan in the role. I, I guess, okay, so I'm just, I'm remembering back to Walker Stalker Con, to the panel we saw with him, and he was sort of hamming it up there. Like, I well, feel like that's sort of his thing, right? Like he would, he'd be talking like himself, like Jeffrey D. Morgan, and then suddenly someone would like say something and he'd put on the Negan voice and he'd he'd turn on Negan. Yeah, I know. And he would he would really he'd put it on. Sure, but that's different. That's him on a stage in yeah. front of an audience and just he's trying, trying to, to rile people up. And get a reaction. Yeah. When he's um, actually portraying the character on screen, I don't think I should be sitting there watching him going, uh, nobody would really act like that. Right? Nobody nobody would be uh, th nobody would revel in their like evilness that much, kind of, you know. Mm, I'm not gonna. But wouldn't go... he? Like, I I've never read the book or the books or the comics. Mm -hmm. It's hard so to compare. What to is be the, honest. like? Is the character Negan in the books? Is he? Would does he seem like the type of character to enjoy being that evil? Yes, he does. So there, there you go. I know, but. A comic book and a TV show are very different mediums. And what works on a comic book page doesn't always work on a TV show, a TV screen. Uh, the language is really different, too. Yeah, um, obviously. Way more vulgar mm -hmm. on, in the comic. Well, yeah, because they have limitations on TV at least with what for, they can do. At least for when it broadcasts, yeah. you know, uh, live. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's difficult to compare for me. And I just think that he's, uh, he's overdoing it slightly. And I, but I, I honestly don't feel the same way about, uh, Xander Berkeley as Gregory. And okay. maybe that's just because we haven't seen him as much. I don't no, know. He hasn't been on screen as much. No. Um, I found him a lot more sort of groveling almost oh, yeah. in this episode. Uh, he didn't, you know. Well, you could tell he was scared when Simon and the other saviors walked in. Well, or when Simon scared, took him sure. aside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I the thing about Jeffrey D. Morgan as Negan is he is believable as the villain because. Well, that's my problem. I, I'm, I'm. Or you don't find him believable. I, look, it's 
it's a fine line. I don't think he's really crossed over into hamming it up so much that I that he's that I don't like it or yeah, that he's like really that it's bad. almost like a I think he's really good or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But I think he's getting close to that line and I don't like him sort of getting there, right? I want him to tone it down a little bit. And and you know, uh I don't want to go into this too much, but we I sort of felt the same way with Abraham and and them when they first showed up too. And and throughout yeah. Abraham's run, like he was a bit of a goofy Yeah, he was kind of a goofball. But I yeah. learned to love him, so well, and with Negan, I mean, I'll just say that the episode where he comes to Alexandria and he gives um, Rick Lucille to hold on to the whole mm-hmm. I was watching that and I was like, he's so evil. Oh, my God. Like the whole time. And I didn't feel so much like he was hamming it up i think he really legitimately enjoys i think he's sadistic Mm -hmm. he is a sadistic son of a bitch yep and he enjoys all this torture and torment he is inflicting on people he definitely does that he really enjoys it so i personally don't really see the hamming up i mean given that Previously, Jeffrey D. Morgan had, I mean, I never watched Grey's Anatomy, but based on what people I know who watched it said, he was like a sweetheart in it. And I, but I did see that movie, P.S. I Love You. And he's also like a really nice guy in it. So to me, it's kind of like, you know, not to say it's not possible for an actor to go from playing really nice guy to really evil bastard, but it does happen to actors that they get typecast in one role. So it's always I'm always impressed when a guy can go from one ex, one extreme to the other, sure, and do it quite well it, with both. Well, I don't think it's I truly believe I don't think it's going to get worse. Like I no. don't think he's going to go to towards the ham. I think no, he's going to probably come back. The he's other way. not going to get to the point where it's like, yeah, I don't know where it's too much. Yeah, where it's too much. I'm trying to give an example of what would be too much, but I can't. Nothing's coming to mind. <laughs> no, it's it's. I mean, it's. Uh, I think he'll he'll tone it down a little yeah. bit. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's Glenn in sunny England, and this one for sure I edited down a bit just sunny just for England. time. Hmm. I know. I know. Wow. It's, uh, it's weird. Hi Chris. Hi Jason. It's Glenn in sunny England. Uh, on the school run again. Um, I just want to weigh in on this week's episode um, purely because I found it one of the most jarring episodes that we think we've ever had so many inconsistencies mistakes things that just didn't seem right or seemed off oh i don't know it just it it was a good episode especially with all the stuff with uh, simon and gregory which was just fantastic but all potted around were all these kind of mistakes and of course the most glaring of which and i'm guessing everyone must have noticed this uh the meal around the table where there is a big metal and plastic ladle that Maggie is using to dish out everyone's food and then it cuts to a wide and she's using a flat wooden spoon to dish out everyone's food and then it cuts again and the big plastic and metal ladle is back in the pot. Jesus Christ, Colin the continuity guy, what is going on? I, I it, Back here in England, I, I'm an actor. I, I, I've worked on tons of sets, TV shows, films, uh, commercials, and if the continuity guy misses something, at least the actor will normally pop up and say, this isn't the one we used for the last scene, we didn't use the ladle, we used the spoon, or we didn't use the spoon, we used the ladle. Um, I just found this a massive glaring, it just, the whole episode, just things 
tugging me out of it. That sounded rude. Tugging me um, away from the uh, the episode and just making it feel inconsistent. So, um, you know, I'm sure if this week anyone goes around to Colin the Continuity Guy's house and says, Hello, Mrs. Colin the Continuity Guy. Is Colin coming out to play today? I'm sure she'll say, No! No, Colin's not coming out today! He's been a very naughty boy! All right, guys. See you later. Bye-bye. All right, now I want to ask you a question, first of all. That impression at the end he did, what does that remind you of? Totally reminds me of Terry Jones. I knew it. It was totally Terry Jones. He, like, was channeling Terry, and I love that. I know. Channeling Terry Jones. And I swear to God, everybody, (sighs) we didn't talk about this beforehand, but last time we played a call from Glenn, and he imitated his wife that way. And he sounded exactly like Terry Jones. Jason goes... Uh, that's very Monty Python. And I yeah. said, yes, it sounds exactly like Terry, Terry Jones. Jones. And I said that you would love that because yes. you're a big fan of his. So. Well, and <laughs> we met him once in Prague I, and I he told, was the sweetest man ever. I don't remember if I told that story, but yeah, we, we saw him. So, he was a great guy. So sad. I think he's been diagnosed with dementia or something like that. Well, he's so in his sad. 90s now. I oh, mean, he's not. He's not in his 90s. I think he's pretty old. He's not in his 90s. Okay, 80s at least. No, might be late 70s. Oh, come on. I don't think those guys are that much older than my dad. Uh, My dad's 75. All right. Anyway, but I digress. Um, But great Terry Jones. Very good. Thank you. You made my night. Um, Okay, so So the ladle. ladle. A lot of people were bothered by it. That's okay. So I'm very impressed with everyone because I did not notice. But then again, I only watched the episode once. Mm-hmm. Did you notice? Because nope. you watch it more than once. Watched twice. I didn't notice. Oh, you didn't even notice. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Um, yeah. So that was a good catch there. It happens. I mean, it continuity, does. yes, is a problem. Uh, I, as I said, I edited Glenn's uh, message down a little bit he he listed off a few other things too but the ladle was the one that was really really upsetting to a lot of people because mm. i think they all noticed it so uh call in the continuity guy will do better next time i'm sure yes and <laughs> you know if you if you go back and watch other shows like i remember we've watched we went back and watched a few episodes of friends and you see stuff like in the background like you'll see a camera guy in the background and you're like or not a camera guy, like a boom mic guy. And you're like, yep. what? Like you see a shadow or like you'll even see someone behind a door and you're like, what is, what's going on? Oh, it's like, it's a, it's like a problem on all shows apparently. Yeah. It, there's, there's one episode on friends where you <laughs> see a stand in for Rachel who's uh, for Jennifer Aniston, who's not even there anymore, but they have some other mystery woman standing behind the, the cast. And it's like, you're not supposed to notice. But, oh my God. That's hilarious. Whatever. I don't think I ever saw that one. Anyway. All right. All right, so Tim from California called in. Hey, guys. Uh, This is Tim from California. I just thought I'd leave one note about something from the episode last night. It's just a production problem where Maggie and Sasha wake to the walkers in the compound, and the first thing they do without knowing what's going on is turn a light on. And it's just so stupid. Everybody knows you wouldn't turn a light on when you don't know who's outside or what's going on and that you don't want to be seen doesn't help that you further wouldn't be able to see outside very well and it's not a huge deal except for the fact that these are the production points and choices that take viewers like me out of the moment saying why did somebody do that it's that constant interruption of their production not making sense that really ruins the show and you might say, well, they need to turn a light on to light the actors. No, we know how they do that with 
blue moonlight or other things, they can do it. They just don't think. It makes me wonder who is on the set ever voicing an opinion that things don't make any sense. Anyway, great show. Thanks, guys. Well, I mean, I don't want to uh, bring up too many production problems or mistakes, but uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean, you wouldn't turn, if if something's going on outside, you're not going to turn on a light to reveal yourself. Yeah, and actually Tim mentioning this reminded me that that bothered me as well Mm -hmm. when that happened. I was sitting there watching and they turn on the light on and I'm like, what? If for no other reason. Who in their right mind does that? Like, I wouldn't do that. I'd be like, get down. (laughs) Well, yeah. And you need to be able to see out the window. If you turn on the lights, you can't see outside You can't see and they can see you. Yeah. 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 I remember thinking that at the time and he sort of jogged my memory Mm -hmm. that I was like sitting there going, huh? What? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's, I don't. I don't like to to get into these things too much because they are what they are and there are reasons for everything. But sometimes it does feel like no one thought like you're woken up to mysterious attack in the middle of the night and yeah. and turning on the light doesn't really make any sense. Uh, who knows? Maybe there was some other reason they had to do it. So for some people, it's spoons and for some people, it's lights. Mm. But uh, hopefully that doesn't get on your case too much because it's still still a good show yeah all right jan in germany wrote in and or uh, sent us a call here it is hi guys this is jan from germany um i got a comment on you guys discussing the necklace that was given to uh, sasha by jesus in the most recent episode because i believe it was the one made by rosita for abraham in uh, another episode, I don't really remember when, but it was handmade by Rosita and he left it uh, when he decided to uh, go along with Sasha instead of Rosita. So I believe, if I'm right, that um, the reason they bring that up is because uh, it's going to play some kind of of significant role. Maybe there's uh, an upcoming conflict be- between Sasha and Rosita. We'll see. Anyways, thanks for a really great show, and thank you for a whole new expression, painting with a big dick brush. I'm going to use it all the time. No problem, Jan. I don't remember exactly what we were talking about when I said said, that. You guys said that? You said that? One of us did. Painting with a big dick brush? That sounds like something Abraham would say. So you must have been referencing... Could be. I don't know. I I don't remember exactly. But hey, I I just imagine Jan walking around Germany saying that to people, and uh, <laughs> I, I like it. <laughs> I like it. So um, why don't you read the next email from uh, Andy on the necklace as well before we talk about that? Okay, so Andy from West Midlands in the UK wrote, I'm pretty sure the jewelry that Jesus gave to Sasha in this week's episode was the brake light necklace that Rosita gave to Abraham. At the hilltop in season six, in the good old days when Abraham was only being strangled rather than being deheaded, this necklace fell off into the dirt and he left it there. This marked the end of Abraham's romantic feelings towards Rosita and his realization that he loved slash wanted to be with Sasha. Right. So in this episode, Jesus gives this necklace to 
um, Sasha, mm-hmm. and neither Jason nor I could remember the significance of the necklace or what it was all about. Yeah, I don't remember either. But the, you know, the caller and uh, Jan and Andy are right. This was a necklace that uh, Rosita made from a broken brake light, gave to Abraham, and then he was a huge dick to her, right? Right. Um, and then now that necklace, and then when he got almost strangled out in that uh, first fight, big fight at the hilltop when yeah. they got there, yeah. it fell off and he just left it there. So it did fall off. He didn't take it off purposely or anything. I think it got, he was being strangled. I think it got maybe torn off or whatever. And then okay. he, he left it there on the ground, whether intentionally or not, I'm not sure. Okay. But uh, the story is all come, coming back to us with the help of these listeners because we couldn't remember mm-hmm. it at the time. So that's the deal with that. But now it's gotten, it's, made its way to Sasha mm, yeah. and who, who knows, knows how that's going to play out if Rosita spots it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think there probably will be some sort of conflict there. Cat fight. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Unlike chicks fighting. Uh, so thank you everyone for clarifying that and it makes a lot more sense now. We'll see where that goes. Okay. One more call. Paul in Leicester, England. Hi guys, this is Paul from Leicester in England. Uh, just picking up on a few things you said at the beginning of your show. Um, the tractor, that was probably used to build the walls at Hilltop. Um, they've got quite some quite large logs in that structure. They must have you know, had farmland nearby. Uh, and yeah, I guess they built the walls and then stored the tractor and cleaned the tires and uh, kept it there. Right. So we were speculating, why do they have this giant tractor there? Mm-hmm. What's it doing? Why do they need it for? But building the walls is, is a pretty good explanation. Yep. And, uh, you know, moving logs and things like that. Mm-hmm. And as Paul says, cleaning the tires because it did look kind of clean. Yeah. Can you think of any other reasons to have a giant tractor laying around? Well, they, they were growing some crops, but not that many. No. Like just and- a little tiny bit. Like it's not, they don't need a tractor for it. And plus it's that... Well, I don't know. I'm not a farmer. I mean, and, and I, I wouldn't feel like, yeah, you'd need a tractor of that magnitude no. if you're just growing a small garden. Yeah, you don't have like acres and acres of land there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So tractor pulls, uh, you know, kids to climb yeah, on, for pre- the, pretend they're driving. Hay rides for the kids. Hay rides, exactly. You know? <laughs> you got to keep the kids, you know, entertained. Yeah, absolutely. During the zombie apocalypse. You don't want them to get bored and wander off and... You know, with Sneak that around. and roller skates well, yeah. by the road. Tractors and roller skates. I mean, that sounds like a good afternoon right there. <laughs> roller skates that just happen to fit the two characters perfectly. Yeah, exactly. That was another thing that I was just like, oh, really? Really? What? I don't know. Maybe Carl's toes were all bunched up in the end, and that's why he couldn't use them properly. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All right, let's uh, move on to the next one. All right. Wait, I read the last one, so... Yeah, Do you want to read this one? No, I did Paul. Oh, okay. It's your turn. <laughs> so Sarah from Bro- Sarah from Boston wrote. Good old Boston. I love Boston. We got to go there sometime awesome. soon. I, well, we've been, but yes, we got to take the kids. Boston's awesome. I just wanted to say that I thought what the show did with Sasha and especially Maggie was great. I was not looking forward to a sob story where we would just get dragged down with a bunch of crying and grieving. Obviously, I expected a few tears. But I was really pleased to see that Maggie picked up pretty much where she left off in terms of being a complete badass. 
totally agree. I.e. running the car over with the tractor and absolutely decking Gregory over the pocket watch. Yep. Yep. So uh, I, it's, it's right. They could have dragged this out a lot longer than they did of her mourning her husband. And you have to have some of that. You can't yes. ignore that at all, of no. course. And they did have that at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, what I really liked is that Sasha and Maggie are sort of, they're banding together, you know, they're like, they've got each other's backs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're both grieving. So I think that's the thing. They like, they're finding support in each other because they have like sort of this common thing right now well yeah common experience common experience somebody important to them yeah um even though uh you know maggie and glenn were married married and expecting a baby right and and sasha Sasha and and abe were sort of the beginning of just started their relationship but um yeah so i i really liked that dynamic that i feel like maggie and sasha are becoming closer Mm -hmm. which is great Mm -hmm. um and I think Maggie's going to become a pretty strong leader probably yeah. at the hilltop, right? Gregory has no power anymore. Oh, yeah, no. He, he's the figurehead, but Maggie will be the brains behind the operation. Yeah. Right? With I Jesus think... at her side. <laughs> With Jesus at her right hand. That's right. Exactly. Um, no, I, yeah, I think she would be a really great leader, a strong leader. Um, and who knows? I mean, she, under her leadership, maybe they can take Negan down. I don't know. We'll have to see. Could take a while. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Ryan on the internet wrote, how bad is the security at the hilltop? Do they seriously not have anyone who does a night shift and keeps watch of the grounds? The gate is opened. A car playing music is rolled in. Walkers stream in. And it is the two outsiders from Alexandria who discover it first. No wonder Jesus doesn't want to be the leader of this useless group. Um, Can... Can we read the next one? Because it sort of relates to this. Yeah, sure. Go because for it. I feel like we need to read both and then discuss. Mm-hmm. So Barbara from Lancaster, Lancaster, sorry, California. How exact? How exactly did Negan's guys get into the hilltop compound? Drag wood around, start fires, booby trap a car, lock everyone in, and get out without being seen. I call BS. There's someone inside. Has to be. What's the point of having a lookout? If no one cries wolf and the wolf comes. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's questionable. Um, the sort of uh, part of me thinks, you know, this was an episode about, you know, a couple of characters grieving their loss, but also turning it around and um, starting over again. Maggie, as we just said, becoming a leader and having Gregory, the guy who's been leading this hilltop, sort of be revealed and fall from his position a little bit. Yeah. It was about all these things, but it's still a zombie show and you need a zombie scene. Yeah. And you need something scary to happen. And that conflict of it. Yeah. And you need that conflict. And this is how they wrote it into this episode, even though it felt a little ridiculous that they'd be able to just do all this while everyone slept through it. Yeah. So I see, I, I kind of, have to agree with Barbara here. I feel like there's got to be someone that was on the inside that let it happen. Like whoever was, I don't know. It just felt like at first watching it, it's kind of weird when we were watching that scene the other night, at first when it started, I'm like, what are they doing? 
why are there fires out there? What are the hilltop people doing? Is this some sort of weird cult? They blast music in the middle of the night and light fires and attract the walkers. Like I couldn't, it was funny. Like I wasn't, it was taking me a while to process that. Wait a minute. They're not doing it. (laughs) The saviors are doing it. Like why would they do that to themselves? But that's the thing. It was all so bizarre, that scene. Because and the, it doesn't make a lot of, of no. sense that it would just be so easy for them. I know. And then the fact that Maggie, it was Maggie and, well, it was Sasha who sprung into action. It was obviously Maggie, you know, like Sasha didn't want her to get up and go because she's still recovering. Um, And then Jesus got up and helped, right? Mm-hmm. But the rest of them are all standing around. Well. And... You know, Gregory goes and hides like he looks out the window and then he retreats, of course, because he's a complete coward. Yeah. Well, you know, the whole thing doesn't make a lot of sense. But the one thing they did do and it was easy to miss is that there were zombies sort of hanging off the wall, I think, not um, like with rope. They had been they'd been hung off the wall. And on the inside of the walls. Mm-hmm. And I think what the idea there is that those were the people who were sort of on patrol or standing up there keeping a watch. And somehow the Savior's people managed to um, kill them or whatever and then hang them over the wall turned, for some reason. And then, and then they, they turned. Okay. Yeah. So again, <laughs> I don't think they'd be able to do that with so, you know, with nobody noticing. But I think the idea is there were people on watch. Somehow they were very quickly overwhelmed and didn't have a chance to alert the rest of the community. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I can yeah. think of, but I think that's what they were going for. Okay. Um, as for somebody on the inside, I mean, no matter what happens on this show and probably every other show, people like to always believe and theorize that there's a traitor among them. So, mm. you know, a lot of people think Enid is is a spy for saviors what oh there's all kinds of evidence for it uh which you know we've gone through before but i don't believe it personally no so that's a bit far-fetched when something yeah when something like this happens and everyone thinks well that's just wouldn't happen people tend to start coming up with ways to to uh justify it or explain it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know a man on the inside or a person on the inside is one of those ways so I mean, I think it it still could be a valid theory. I don't know. I I don't buy it. I think it's just they need to they need something in this episode um involving zombies and fire <laughs> and a loud car and a tractor and this was their way of doing it. Yeah. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Okay, um Dan in York, UK writes regarding why Simon said, "Now is there anything else you want to tell me?" Of course he was suspicious. The whole reason why Simon was there, stated when he first arrived, was that the group of saviors that the Alexandrians murdered were the group assigned to deal with the hilltop. So obviously when they all died, the hilltop would be under suspicion, which is why Negan sent his right-hand man to deal with them. The reason that scene between Simon and Gregory was so tense, I felt, was that it was pretty clear that Simon knew Gregory had been involved, but couldn't prove it and was waiting for Gregory to slip up and confirm it while Gregory was acutely aware uh, that that was what Simon was doing. So the reason I want to read this one is because um, I didn't pick up on that that idea that, that the Alexandrians killed the group of saviors who were assigned to deal with the hilltop. 
You didn't? No, I didn't. I didn't get that for some reason at the time. <laughs> I don't know. Really? Maybe I fell asleep for a second. Uh, I don't yeah, think so. you must have dozed off. I don't think so. I just didn't. didn't I don't pick know. up on that. So, um, Simon is super suspicious about yeah. what's going on. Well, that was clear to me that well, he was suspicious that they were there. Like, like it was a, you know, it was a checking in and testing out if, you know, Gregory or someone would slip up or somehow they'd mm-hmm. figure it out, right? So yeah, I, I, but I was I was questioning like, would why in TV and movies do they have you know, somebody so often be like, and after a conversation, and is there anything else you want to tell me? Like, mm-hmm. it's just drawing out something that needs to be said for the plot mm-hmm. um, that otherwise there wouldn't be a logical way of of having a character articulate uh, unless there's basically asked. So um, it makes more sense to me now, though, that, you know, if the, if that group had been killed, then Negan sends these guys over to be like, what's going on here, guys? Something mm-hmm. must be going on. Mm-hmm. So it does make a little <clears throat> bit more sense, I think. All right, who's next? So Kevin from Chicago wrote, Simon, played by Stephen Ogg, is far more menacing than Negan. During last night's episode, it really brought me back to the heart, drama, and tension of this show. Jeffrey D. Morgan's portrayal of Negan is like if someone gave Zoolander a baseball bat and told him to act like a bad guy. <laughs> it's cheap, tacky, and frankly laughable at times. Oh, really? No, it's not that oh, bad. Oh, come on. It's not laughable. It's not tacky. Where's the love for Jeffrey Dean Morgan? Sorry, I'm... Well, I know you're in love with him. I got a <laughs> still. soft spot. Uh, we talked about this um, on, on Monday, but Stephen Ogg did such a great job yeah, in this he episode. Was... Yeah, he was really good. He was so good being a Negan, right? Yes, a so Negan. So good. The guy's from Edmonton, you know. Cool. Yeah. Fellow Canadian. Good old Edmonton. Thank you, Kevin, for that. Mark in Baltimore right, writes, uh, oh, back to, back to, I should have put these in the other order. Oh, but anyways, back okay. to the Simon's question. He says, regarding Simon's question to Gregory, as a father, Chris, hasn't your child taken the proverbial cookie from the cookie jar and left a trail of crumbs? To their guilty self. This is when a father asks his child, is there anything you'd like <laughs> to tell me? <laughs> and you can see the wheels turning and you hope said child realizes that lying to dad is far worse than taking the cookie. Yeah, it's very true. <laughs> it's so true. It's a, it's, it's a perfect analogy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? I can't think of like, I'm trying to think of the countless times our kids have been like, sorry. And I'm like, don't say sorry. Just don't. Do it. God, like, well, stop doing shit like that. <laughs> no, our kids are pretty well behaved yeah, sometimes. They don't listen. I, I'm not to thinking, us, like, hey. I'm not referring to lying specifically because they're actually, they don't. They're not liars. They're not. They're, I think they're too afraid to lie. But no, I'm thinking of the times when they don't, like, re- recently it was like I asked them to clean. To, or not to clean, to bring some other stuff upstairs and to turn off the lights in the living room. And they didn't do either. And they came upstairs. Mm-hmm. And then I told our younger daughter that, okay, well, now that you didn't do that, you don't get your play date tomorrow with your friend that we were going to do. And she got so upset. And she was like, I'm sorry, mommy. I'm so sorry. And I was like, don't be sorry. Just next time, can you just listen? And she was like, but I didn't hear you. I'm like, yes, you did. Because you said, Okay, mommy, I'll do that. And mm-hmm. then you didn't do it. 
Right. That's so not that's, the same thing. That's though. not the same thing as lying, the, though. The same thing. It's what. Uh, I know. I'm. I'm. I'm once again segueing here. No, so. Mark is. You know, it's yep. like you know they've done something, yeah. but you want them to admit it. Yes. Right. Which is, is uh, which shows a sign of of maturity. <laughs> they can own up to their their mistakes. I'm. Or I'm trying to think of an crimes. example or a time when they did do something and they didn't admit it. No, it's fine. They it works. I'm though. sure. Gregory yeah. Totally. Is the child. Yep. He's the child and Simon's the dad who's like, all right, come on, fess up. Yeah, exactly. All right. Danny from Corby, England wrote, I think the trucks were going, I think the trucks were going to separate places. I thought the Negan truck was to go to the sanctuary and the others were going to his outpost, like the one Rick and crew attacked. Yeah. So we were wondering about when, uh, uh, when Simon took all the whiskey and he said, put this in the Negan truck. Yeah, I mean, like, aren't they all going there? What matter? What does it matter what truck they put it in? But maybe Danny's right. Maybe they have, you know, they've they fill up one truck. It's going back to the sanctuary for Negan, mm-hmm. and, uh, the and the rest of are them going... are fanning out to some other locations. Yeah, could be it. Could be. All right. Uh, okay. This next email, Johans, Johans, or, or Johannes, or Johannes. Okay, from Perth, I'd say from Perth, Australia. Yeah. Writes, how has nobody mentioned this yet? Enid is all alone on the road, sees a walker, and all of a sudden a car sneaks up on her? Come on, she would have heard that car from miles away. Especially being alone on a road in a post-apocalyptic world where car noises are not as ubiquitous as they are in the real world. Very good point. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I did find it odd that suddenly the car's there. Like, what? Huh? Yeah, she's riding a she bicycle. She didn't know? There's one walker. It's not like there were hundreds and they were all yeah. making a lot of noise, right? And Carl to the rescue, right? Sorry, <laughs> yeah. I have to... I can't say Carl anymore. No. It's Carl. Yeah, to the rescue. Yeah. But he's just out for a drive. Yeah, he he's just out for a drive. <laughs> just practicing, just learning. You know? All those crazy kids. That's right. Um, Keith from Elgin, Illinois wrote, The reason Carl... Sorry, I have to. I can't say it the regular way. Is having trouble throwing the darts is due to the fact he lost his right eye. Just as we have a dominant hand and foot, for that matter, we also have a dominant eye. Now two oh, now two-thirds of humans are right eye dominant, as I assume Carl is as well. I believe the scene wasn't to wasn't just to show us how much Carl sucks at darts, but in combination with his poor driving, I believe they are preparing us for him to take a shot at Negan and miss. And then we'll know why, unless he uses Michonne's rifle with the bad sights and they might cancel out. All right. So the rifle with the bad sights is a callback to us speculating on why she couldn't hit that zombie with that rifle. Um, Only semi-seriously, but hey, if the sight is off, she'd be firing uh, off. Mm -hmm. Um, Carl is right-handed. We know that because Negan was going to cut off his left arm which is not his dominant hand. They mm-hmm. made a point of telling us that. Okay. Now they show, uh, now they show him unable to hit a dartboard uh, with darts using his left hand to throw the darts, which means he's using his off hand for some reason. Okay. So maybe Carl is trying to train himself to use... To be ambidextrous? Yeah, to be ambidextrous. Yeah. For what purpose? We don't know. Um... And he lost his right eye, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So he lost his dominant eye. So maybe mm-hmm. he's just trying to train himself to do things with his non-dominant eye, uh, like throw darts. Could be. And that's why he can't hit that dartboard to save his life. 
Now, my question is, if you're right-handed, is your right eye your dominant one? Or could you potentially be, have you, would your left eye? I don't know. I'm wondering about that. Maybe one of our listeners would know that. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't even know what uh, eye I'm dominant with. I, I, hope, I hope it's my left one. Cause yeah, it's I kind of hope right. it's my left one too, because if I cover my left, my right is so blurry. Yeah, me too. It has been for years. I can't see shit with my right eye, but the left eye is a lot better. Yeah, I but, have I have a weak right eye, but maybe that's maybe that's an indication that your right eye is right eye is dominant because you overcompensated, you overused it, and mm. now it's now that we're in our forties. I screwed it up. Yeah, I don't know. Me too. Otherwise, I'm very right centric, though. I'm right handed. Yeah, me too. I golf right handed. I hockey play hockey right handed. Baseball bat everything right. I don't do anything left. The only thing I do left, I think, is water ski. Like when I'm on one ski, I think I'm doing it left. It's been a while. Well, which which <laughs> foot is supposed to go in the back? Your dominant or your non-dominant? Uh, for water I think skiing, you're dominant. I don't know. Well, in that case, I put my right foot at the back. See, I put my left foot in the back. That's weird. I know. It's just it like it's weird. just how it felt natural because I I would always get up on one ski. From I would do a water start, get up on the one ski. So to me, it felt more natural to get up on the right leg. But then I'd put my left foot in the back. But if you mm. think about it, if the left foot's in the back, yeah, it's weird because that's sort of the foot that's, I guess, sort yep. of anchoring you. I but to get up on one foot, I needed it to be my right foot. So yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I, I used to water ski a lot when I was a here. kid, teenager, early 20s. Me and too. I put right foot at the back for sure. Okay. Mine was, my left foot was at the back. Who knows? But anyways, I think they are. I, all the little details are important, right? Mm -hmm. Carl throwing darts with yep. his, with his left hand yep. and losing his right eye. And I didn't even notice that he was using his left hand. Look at that. I was just not paying attention. Well, it's one of those things that probably very few people noticed. Yeah. And in fact, most people probably didn't even think twice about the scene, mm -hmm. right? They're like, oh, he's throwing darts, talking to his dad. Mm-hmm. It's what kids do. They might play darts sometimes. Well, right? I did notice that he was missing, like he was yes. getting it off. That I know, like he was missing the target, but I figured it had to do with the missing eye, right? Well, so did I. But I also did feel like it was a setup, like or they were setting us yeah, up for something. Think about it. If you stood in front of a dartboard and you were aiming oh, that dart, darts. but just say yeah. you were aiming that dart, what would you do? What do you mean? What, what if you were standing, I don't know, whatever it is, six, eight feet from a dartboard and I'd close my left eye, you would close one eye. Yeah. So what is having there one eye do you have any effect on throwing darts unless it's not the eye you would but use? That's the thing is if it's not as dominant eye. Right. That he's using, then. I don't think it would throw you off though. But mm. the thing is, if you're right handed, you're going to close your left eye and look through your right eye. Because that arm is kind of more in front of that eye. Although you can you can move your head, obviously. So he only has a left eye. He's gonna he's trying to use his left hand to aim those darts. Wow. Because yeah. yeah, I don't Maybe know. It's closer. We, if our listeners could see me right now, they'd think it was funny because I'm like pretending to throw darts. Yeah, well, and like I'm I'm like wink I'm miming throwing darts and I'm winking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying each eye. And you're one of those people like me who can't wink right. <laughs> I can't. No. I look like a freak when I wink. I can't I'm wink. wink either. It's weird. I'm always impressed with people that can wink well. I'm like, that's awesome. Just like people who can whistle, like, you know, the loud whistle to get someone's attention. Can't do that. I can't do that either. That's I can just. so cool. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, but you could learn. I mean, yeah, like where you, where you 
use your fingers like like that, but like loud. I don't even know what to do with your fingers if you need to. But anyway, I'm always impressed with people who can do that. All right, uh, is it your turn for the last one? Um, I just read Keith's. Oh, all right. Then I'll read Mark in Connecticut. Okay. So I think Mark here wrote just a little bit more about uh, about Negan and uh, and and something like that. Not specific to this episode, but let's see what he says. He writes just a couple of thoughts on Negan. I wanted to share. In the finale episode, I felt the fear while he was walking around with Lucille. I was paralyzed in my seat, perhaps because. They were all close-up shots, and the dialogue was great. In the last few episodes, he appears as a skinny little guy who has tricked everyone into fearing him for no reason at all, in my opinion. Most of Negan's men are actually bigger than him, so I don't get the fear and the bowing. And my wife just thinks he is corny, wandering around acting like Keith Richards or something. My point, I guess, why not have a real big badass person portraying that role? Joe Manganello from the uh from true blood came to mind i don't think he's busy <laughs> someone who is six seven and legitimately could fight off 10 people okay now the minute he said six seven i thought of stephen merchant yeah i don't think stephen, that wouldn't believe, be believable would for not like not even for a minute because he's just too funny like you just couldn't i like stephen Sorry. merchant but because he's, he's crazy tall He's like probably about six foot seven or something. Yeah. Anyway. Well, Joe Mangani- Manganello is how tall is he? He's a really he's big a, dude. Yeah. Too. Well, he, he's really built. Holy yes. Geez. He is a massive. He's like a human tank. Being. Right. And uh, so why not make Negan a huge, humongous guy? The thing is, you don't have to be physically large to be intimidated. You don't. You really don't. I'm That's, intimidated. You know what? Some I like. I'll just. Say the kids that I remember in elementary school, the kids that were bullies in my elementary school, they were all smaller than me, you know, like making up for well, being it's small, almost maybe. well, it's almost like their bark is worse than their bite. Although with Negan, obviously, that is not the case, but right, I'm just saying, like, they get to where they are by like they can just they scare the shit out of people, even <laughs> though they're not big, like. Uh-huh. Perfectly small people can scare the crap out of someone. I, I am intimidated by plenty of small people smaller than me. Right? Like our kids? <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what uh, do you mean people smaller than you? Who are you intimidated by? No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just saying you don't need to be a huge, imposing, physical, no, physically large person in order to, to intimidate. No, not in the least. I don't think so. And Joe Manganello, I love that guy. I think he's great. But I don't think he, I, I'm not sure I can see him as Negan either. No, I don't really see it. Because you never know. I, you never know. the thing is, if you're talking about Jeffrey D. Morgan hamming it up, I think that Joe Manganiello, Manganiello would ham, ham it up even more. Because mm. I've seen him in a few things. Not to say he's a ham, but he knows how to ham it up. I've seen him in a few things. And like, even as um, Alcide in True Blood, I felt like, Sometimes he was sort of hamming it up. True Blood is a very different show. Very different show. This, there was right? a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of sort of funny bits yep. for sure compared to Walking Dead. But um, I don't know. I don't think he would be the worst choice. No. Um, I think Jeffrey D. Morgan is a great choice. Um, didn't, didn't another his... listener call in and say or write in and say The Rock? Oh, that was and just I was something like, else. No. I, I don't think that would work. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> a lot of people wanted, what's that guy's name? Henry mm. Rollins to do it. He mm. kind of looks like him as he's drawn in the okay, comic. Okay, maybe, but so. I just, I don't know, like, how much has he acted? You well, know, like, thing. is he really that good an actor? I've never seen him in anything. That's the thing. Because didn't he start out as a musician? He was a musician first. I think so, yeah. Anyway, I had that, you know, at the conference, at the Walker Stalker Con, I had I had a photo op with Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yep, I know. And he's not a small guy. He's tall. Like, he was towering. I mean, I'm not a tall person. I'm only, what, 5'5", five, five, but I felt like he was towering over me. Like, he was over, he was six feet yeah, he's, he's. I feel like at least like in the photo of me and him, he's sort of leaning in. He's not like standing at his full stature. No, uh, he's one point eight eight meters tall. Yeah, that's according to Wikipedia. That is over six feet. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely tall guy. Um, he's skinny though, right? Yeah, Take but a- he wasn't always. The thing is, I feel like he's almost skinny down for this role because. I don't think he was always that skinny. Like I remember seeing him in so in PS I Love You, I feel like he was more built in that, unless I'm remembering wrong. I don't know. All I know is like his ass does not fill out the Negan pants at all. <laughs> uh but that's okay. I mean Poor it's Jeffrey the, Dean Morgan, he's getting slammed tonight. Not really. I don't like that. It's the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I mean, most people are going to shed some pounds when the food is scarce. Exactly. That's the other thing, people. Reality check here. <laughs> yes. They're all going to skinny down a little. Have a reality check about your yeah. zombie show, people. <laughs> right? Well, no. <laughs> no, but, you know, I think, yeah, people will... I think in a zombie apocalypse, you would skinny down because food is scarce. Yeah, well, you, you would think so. Um, anyways, I, I'm completely happy with the casting choice. Uh, other than the hamming. Other than the hamming, and like I keep saying... I don't think they've quite overdone that to the point where I'm really turned off by it yet. And I've talked about it so much, I should probably move on to something else. Mm-hmm. So uh, we will, I'll try to put it behind me and uh, and we'll see where things go from here. Um, but I, Joe Manganiello, maybe, yeah. but no. No, I, don't, think I so. don't see it. I just don't. Jason said Stephen Ogg should have just been Negan, which I can see. <laughs> he's a skinny dude too, like really skinny. And he's shorter than Negan. I don't know. I think he's pretty tall. He's not that tall. He's shorter than Negan. Uh, Or Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He, like, next to Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I think he's shorter. I'm trying to remember. According to the internet, he's 1.91 meters, so he's even taller. So. Oh, really? Because to me, he, I feel like he looks shorter than. Oh, look at this. In the, I searched for Stephen Ogg on the internet, and the first news article that comes up is Stephen Ogg actually a better Negan than Negan. Oh, my God. So we're not the only people to uh, be wondering. To comment about this. on that. Yeah. All right. Um, thank you so much to everyone who wrote and called in. It is always fun to get your feedback. Mm-hmm. Thank and you. Um, I think we're going to keep doing these on Thursdays for a while. Thursdays okay. is, is better. I've, I said that last week too. Uh, I just like Thursday better, and it spreads out the week, the podcasting over the week a little bit. So as long as you're okay with it, we're going to keep recording on Thursday nights. What if I want to go out some Thursday nights? Go out on Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you'd like to get in touch with us, uh, of course, you can do that by sending email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com or visit the website at uh, talkingdead.com. 
podcast.com and click on send voicemail. You can record a message right into your computer. Another good way to do it is just use the voice recorder on your phone, record it, and then email it to us. That is one of the best ways to get really high quality. Um, and of course, you can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Talking Dead. And now because it is the end of November. I know everyone is going to be doing their holiday shopping in the next little while. And if you want to help us out here at The Talking Dead, a really, really great way to do that is to use our Amazon links before you go do your shopping at Amazon. And I know you're buying stuff at Amazon for the holidays, gifts and whatnot. So visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon and then click on the country, Amazon country of that's most relevant to you, probably the US. Uh, but we also have stores for Canada and Germany and France and the UK and stuff like that. And EU, I think. Well, or those are, are all yeah, those are all, all EU. In the same. Yeah. Spain is in there. <clears throat> yep. Um and then uh, and then when you buy stuff, a tiny little cut comes back to us, doesn't cost you anything extra, you don't even notice it, but it is a really fantastic way to help out. So if you're going to if you're shopping at Amazon, please, please use our Amazon link. It's just one extra click and you are directed straight through into Amazon. So you won't even notice any difference. Um, and then leave us an iTunes review if you want. Just uh, visit, I open up iTunes, find us on there and leave us a review. That is a great way to uh, help us get noticed in iTunes as well. So uh, those are all amazing ways you can help support the show. All right, we should be back on Monday when we recap Season 7, Episode 6. Uh, just three more before the big mid-season finale. Let's mm. see if they can uh, wrap up a, a complete story here that doesn't feel premature. And uh, we'll start with uh, recapping Episode 6 on Monday night. So until then, my name is Chris. And I'm Christina. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks.